Twinsultation. a special podcast episode uh we're back after a long long hiatus a little too long maybe back uh welcome back to the twinsultation the only consultation with twins that you'd ever hear and have some fun with i'm isaac and i'm daniel and we're back and this time we're coming back with a big bang with a big time guest a dear friend of ours that we've kind of met over the years i don't even know how we're still friends but i love the fact that we have a great friendship and I'm proud of it. And I'm proud of it. And honor it. He's a special guest. First time I got to interview him and, and talk this sometimes in, in depth. Uh, we both are. So I have to give a big drum roll. Drum roll, please. We are talking to you know V starting point guard Jordan McKay joining on? with us on the Twinsultation. Hi Jordan, how's it going? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on, fellas. We appreciate that. We appreciate that. We appreciate that. Jordan is a longtime friend of ours that we met during his path, uh, starting at WVU. Um, obviously, there's no really big, if you're a basketball head in the world, there's no really big introduction. Jordan is one of the hottest social media stars and also one of the, one of, a very solid point guard in the Mountain West for the UNLV uh, running Rebels. And we got, we got, Dano and I got to have a sit down, have a consultation. Are you ready for that, Jordan? I'm ready. Let's do this. All right, perfect, perfect, perfect. First off, first and foremost, I got to talk to you, man. Life update. You've been at WV, uh, UNLV for the last year uh, after grad transferring out of West Virginia. After, a, after okay, we can say, be honest, it was a, a, a okay three years. It wasn't yeah. what we all anticipated. Right. But I need a life update. What's life in Vegas like now? Oh, uh, man, life's interesting right now, kind of in that – uh you know, entering into that early to mid twenties where you, you're learning a ton and you're learning on the go. So moving out to Las Vegas, uh, was the first time that, you know, I really felt as though I was fully on my own. My girlfriend has now moved in with me. So she's out here with me. We have our own apartment trying to do this whole adult thing. We go to Costco on Sunday. I'm juggling, playing basketball, running a uh, social media brand and personal brand for myself, you know, getting a podcast up and running, which you guys know uh, the difficulties of that. So doing a lot of different things. I like to use the cliche, a lot of irons in the fire. And yeah, headed into my fifth year as a, as a senior here at UNLV and really excited about this, uh, this next year. Genuinely excited. Daniel, I know you want to add the, the follow-up question about getting into the basketball nitty-gritty. I know you. I know you're anticipating that. Go ahead, man. I can see it. Yeah, we know life update. Life has changed, man. How much of an adjustment has it been? You know, playing in the West Coast from playing in the Midwest and somewhat somewhat of the East Coast. How much of an adjustment has it been so far for you this past year? You know, with with life changing, with mid adulting. Now you're entering into your fifth year. You know, how much does that adjustment have been? Has that been going for you, my man? Yeah, it's been quite a bit of an adjustment. But at the same time, you know, it's still basketball. So you come out of West Virginia, you're playing in a in a situation and in a program that has a very um, well-established foundation, a well-established culture. Everybody knows what West Virginia is about. They know what Bob Huggins is about. Uh, and that's why I chose to go there. Um, a big reason was their culture. And something that I thought 
at least mentally I fit into. Obviously, on the physical aspect of it, it wasn't the right fit from a basketball standpoint. Uh, a lot of different things maybe just didn't align the way we wanted them to. Transitioning into West Coast basketball is less about the style of play. I know a lot of people like to get into, um, you know, New York basketball is dribble heavy. West Coast is up and down transition play. Midwest is gritty, bringing across half court, low scoring games, physical, all that kind of stuff. And sure, there is that kind of definition of basketball around the country. And now that I'm on the West Coast, you would think it's kind of a, a big change. But in college basketball, basketball is basketball, if that makes sense. So for me to just come out here, the only thing I had to adjust to was we're now building a culture at UNLV. I got to be a part of something that has been established long before me and then go into something like UNLV where we get to kind of have wet clay, get our hands dirty, mold the culture the way that Coach Kruger wanted it. And it was similar to his dad's culture at Oklahoma, uh, who is now a Hall of Famer along with Hugs, Lon Kruger. So that was the biggest adjustment, just the fact that I was going from a very established program to one that was um, in a position where they had to prove a lot of things. So that was kind of my right. life here. No, and I noticed that just in that change. I mean, obviously, because we know each other uh, and we've we've even talked about this back in the days back at WVU, just talk about playing. I remember the days Daniel and I had that guard you to get you comfortable going against those bigger guards. But I have to ask, I did see a big improvement based off the stats from starting freshman year 22.2 like it was the average is 2.2 points per game to now like 6.4 looking more of like an establishing growth can you tell me what was the difference for you now that like that you see now this growth coming from freshman year you know you have big shoes to fill obviously at WVU big established program to now you're going to your fifth year at an established program in its own right, but still trying to rebuild that culture. And I guess respectfully, UNLV is trying to get back to that identity to where they were in the 90s, right. to where they were the school. Where have you seen the growth in yourself from that point in 2018, 2019 to now coming into this senior year? You know, there's a lot of different things that I feel like I'm better at now than I was coming in as a freshman. But ultimately, the, the biggest difference is just playing time. That's why I transferred to UNLV. I think people try to overcomplicate it. I went to a place that I knew didn't play freshman generally a ton. I sat most of my first year on the bench. Uh, this second half of that freshman year, I was granted an opportunity based on a bunch of chaos, really, uh, within our team. We had guys get kicked off. We had guys transfer midseason, guys not playing, you know, a little bit of a, of a shit show. And that happens in, in college basketball and athletics in general. So then I was able to kind of step into a role that I um, was looking for. And that's that 25, 30, 35 minutes a game, uh, able to get into a rhythm, able to play uh, the way that I want to. And, you know, I felt a huge amount of growth from uh, December of my freshman year all the way up until March when we got knocked out by Kansas in the Big 12 tournament. Uh, and then obviously went on to play in the CBI. That's a whole story in itself. But, yeah. you know, right. it was uh, it, it was it was interesting because that year I felt like, OK, uh, given the circumstances, I was allowed to show whether or not I was able to do it. And, you know, playing Oklahoma game one, playing Oklahoma game one of the Big 12 tournament. I remember rewatching that game and this was still while I was at West Virginia. 
but when I was not playing a ton. I remember rewatching it almost as a sense of trying to sense of trying to find myself again. I think that's what my sophomore and junior year were a lot about uh, and really part of last year too. So I, I'll never forget rewatching the Oklahoma game. I was sitting Big 12 tournament in my junior year uh, at West Virginia, which would have been my last one. And I was watching the game from my freshman year where I was, you know, in a position that was pretty much let loose, no leash, go play. Uh, and I remember the announcer saying something to the effect of in the last handful of games, McCabe has averaged 16 and eight. And, you know, to do that coming on the back end of Big 12 play as a freshman, I, I remember hearing that announcer say that when I rewatched it. And I'm like, man, it, it's crazy how certain things and certain moves and certain situations can take you from that to then you know, just not being able to find your way into the roster. So that was, that was the difficult part about playing at West Virginia was it just, it didn't line up for whatever reason. Certain people have their thoughts about why that is. I have my own. Ultimately, it doesn't really matter, right? That's just, that's called life. You just got to keep moving. So then going to UNLV, like there's no big difference in terms of, you know, well, I guess there's a difference between play style. I shouldn't say that. But the ultimate reason I went to West or UNLV was I figured I'm going to be playing 30 plus minutes a game. Uh, wherever I went after West Virginia was going to be a school that I felt like I could fit in and get playing time because I knew what I was capable of. I've always known that. Still do. Still to this day. I've always been the same player. It's just whether or not I'm playing uh, spotty 10 to 12 minutes a game or I'm playing a consistent 30 plus. That's the only difference. Mm. And and that's a big thing that I noticed, like, because everyone's asked my brother and I our thoughts on your career overall now getting to this point, right, as a as a fifth-year guard. I'm like, well, my expectation – like, we had a guy that we work out with, um, our old one of our old college teammates. He's asking, he's like, what do you think – how do you think Jordan's going to do this year? I'm like, well, I'm assuming he's a fifth – he's going to be a fifth-year guard. <laughs> um, he's shown a lot of growth since then, and, like, I remember – your best game, if I'm not mistaken, you can disagree with me. And Daniel, you can disagree too. My my favorite game, my best game of you actually playing, you know, from that first year to now, now obviously coming now, like that still like still gives me goosebumps was when you dropped 37 on TCU. Mm -hmm. That was a uh, that was a big one. I'm like, okay, this is the guy from Kakana that was well, hold, lighting hold up on. everybody. Hold on, Isaac. I don't want to give people the wrong impression. 37, I should let you roll with it. It was 25. 25? I can't remember. It's I can't, I was like, it was either 37 or 25. Thank you yeah, for correcting me. We got, we got, we're getting old, man. I'm getting old. <laughs> if, it, if it's going through, the games are going through like the back of my head. I should have let you run with 37, but it was, yeah, it was 25. <laughs> it was TCU, and it was uh, late in February. Yep, yep. Yep, yep. I remember that game. I'm like, was it 30? I'm like, I'm, I'm sitting here, was it 37 I'll or take 27? 30. I can't That's remember. Cool. <laughs> Doing I love it. I love it. I love it. But no, I just remember that seeing that growth and now seeing that you look last couple of games. I did get the catch of you playing at UNLV. You look comfortable now. And uh, that's one of the other follow up questions I want to ask. Do you see now, like, I guess over time and patience and seeing that, you know, that work ethic, I know you have a strong work ethic from the difference from where you were going, I guess, I guess the difference is now like, okay, it's the game's kind of getting slower for you a little bit. Yeah, game's getting slower, um, 
And ultimately it's, it's been between the years, uh, for me, like I had kind of touched on before from my, from 20, what would that be? Sophomore year, uh, from 2020 on, you know, up until, up until now. And it's still a constant thing. Um, and now I feel, I feel like I'm primed and ready both physically and mentally, uh, to go do what I can do. So, um, you know, put in a lot of time, put in a lot of effort and excited about, you know, this upcoming season here. Any expectations for this upcoming season before we move on to our next thoughts and yeah. Uh, NCAA tournament, you know, that's, that's the goal. Um, once you get there, anything can happen. Uh, we, we want to get back to playing in, uh, in that, in that second, second week of March. That's what we want to do. So that's what we plan on doing. Perfect. 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 Now I got to ask some other things, you know, with Jordan, when it comes and Daniel, you already know this, you can agree with it. When it comes to just Jordan McCabe, we can't just talk about just basketball. There's, he's a wise guy. He's a wise guy beyond his years. He knows a lot, very intelligent when it comes to just talking about college athletics and college, you know, college sports and college and the college athletic lifestyle. We got to ask, there's been a lot the last two years, there's been a lot of thoughts on realignment. And I know you've probably even covered it on your own podcast and you probably covered it in other people's podcasts as a guest. I have to ask, what's your thoughts on, on all of realignment? Well, you know, with, with, with the conferences realigning, Here's what I will say. I think it's absolutely ridiculous to think that uh, an athlete at UCLA is going to have to fly to New Jersey and play Rutgers. I think that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, I, I just don't understand how that ever was like, yeah, this is a good idea. And I don't know how you fix that. You know, what are they going to play neutral site games in Nebraska or Kansas? I, meet in the middle. You can't. It, it doesn't seem real feasible to me. Um, it's going to increase travel time. It's going to take you know, athletes out of classes and this and that. There's going to be a bunch of logistical stuff that they have to work through. Um, but, and I don't know the reasoning behind it. Um, could be NIL. Uh, it could be just a natural progression of the NCAA. But it seems to me that the the gap between the Power Five and the non-Power Five schools is going to continue to grow uh, because the the Power Five schools are generally the ones that get funded the most. Um, and those high major schools that are bringing in money, uh, that's money that's, that's not going to your, to your mid to low major schools. So I'd be interested to see what the NCAA looks like in 10 years, given the fact that they're already talking about realignment in this way, uh, where they're, they're essentially trying to build these super conferences. I, I just don't know if it's good for the nature of college athletics, which is still allowing that outside shot for that mid-major low-major school um you know to 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 upset you know and have that kind of underdog story and uh and culture to to college sports i don't know if that changes necessarily however the only thing i do know is that some of the some of the trips just don't make sense uh some of the the geographical realignment it doesn't doesn't make sense to me i don't know we'll see what happens Daniel, you want to add your thought? You want to add a follow-up question to that? This is a funny question, man. Since you're from Wisconsin, should you warn anybody from Los Angeles, from the West Coast about how how those winners in Wisconsin get before 
booking that flight for a football game. Yeah, no, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, if you're living in, uh, if you're living in Hollywood, if you're in Westwood and you're at UCLA, um, there, there's going to be a little bit of a shock when you go up and play in, in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, not only is it one of the loudest college football environments, uh, it's also one of the coldest too. So if you catch them on the wrong day, uh, you know, you might be in danger of frostbite and getting your ass whooped and an eight, eight hour, damn near an eight hour trip back home. Like it's just Jeez. bad deal, bad deal all around. Right, right, right. Cause like when you think of USC and UCLA, <laughs> I, I can't imagine them going to play at the big house, like in the middle of December, in the middle of like November, right. That Midwest cold is just, is just different. Yeah. And I've, uh, I've gotten to see West coast people, meaning myself at this point, my current stage of life is a West coast person. So when it hits 60, uh, I wear a sweatshirt and sweatpants. I have, uh, I've become soft in, uh, in my move. Um, I, I can't, can't really handle the cold the same way it happens quick. So I'm imagining these Southern California, Arizona kids who were born and raised in the heat, having to go up and play Michigan, Notre Dame, that, uh, that hit coming across the middle is going to feel just a little bit worse, just a little bit worse things. Not fun for my pop Warner days. That's what I remember stings. <laughs> no. And, and I think that's, that's something that, that's something that is, um, it's a very interesting thing. Like people ask me like, Oh, where do you think, what do you think is going to end at the ultimate end of realignment? What do you think is going to happen? And I think obviously we're going to see some adjustment, some obviously some traditional barriers going to break, but I think this is more of a bleak thing and you don't have to agree with me. You don't have to comment on it. I, I legitimately think the PAC 12 is in serious jeopardy that they've lost his flagship schools. And a lot of conferences should look at that as like a red flag. Yeah. I think the, I think the PAC 12 should start looking to, I, if I'm the Pac-12, I'm like, okay, here's who we have to get. We have to get Gonzaga. We have to find a way to get them a football team by any means necessary so they can play in our conference. Uh, we have to get Gonzaga. Probably going to have to take the best teams out of our conference in the Mountain West. So you're going to want you're going to want Boise State. You're going to want um, you're going to want Boise State. At least that's a semi big market and a growing market there. I'd probably take UNLV too if I can uh, into the Pac-12. I know there's a ton of different you know possibilities of where we might go. Not that it will affect me um, as a player. So yeah, the Pac-12 is in trouble. You you lose USC and UCLA uh, to 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 that. You know what is it? Big Ten, right? That's where they're headed. Yep, Big Ten. And that's that's official. That's confirmed. That is happening. As as of right now, it is official that they've been, they've accepted the invitation. However, the state of California is trying to block UCLA at least to as of, at, as as per reports. as per reports, the state of Cal Governor Newsom is trying to block UCLA and or is saying UCLA proved to me why this is a great financial move. Huh? That's interesting. They're like, yeah, USC, you go ahead, but UCLA, hold on now. Pump the brakes. Yeah, exactly. Because USC is private, so they don't have any control, any any play in it. So it's very interesting. Huh. And, you that know, is seeing how real. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's 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 kind of weird. It's kind of weird how that kind of it's kind of weird how that goes. And my being our parent, our families from the West Coast, they're kind of like. And actually, our uncle was an USC athlete. He, they're very uh, <laughs> they're very shocked that they're that now they have to go watch them play in College Park, Maryland. Yeah, or it, in it it takes New away. Brunswick. 
Yeah, it takes away from that uh, rivalry aspect just because you'd rather see the people you don't like when it comes to sports. And I say don't like, I mean, you know, your rivals, whoever it might be. Uh, you know, the Michigan-Ohio State, that doesn't happen if Ohio State is Texas State. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's just not that same kind of, just based on proximity alone, you get kind of that culture of rivalry that you're not going to get anymore, at least from UCLA's perspective. Right. Right. That's very true. That's very true. But they want they want respect, right? They want respect, so they got to go beat Michigan. They got to go beat and have a chance to beat these teams, whereas – you know, they might have an unreal record on the West Coast. That's just not as uh, you're seeing it with the college football playoff. College football playoff is probably, and I haven't done enough digging, but I have to imagine that's probably one of the biggest uh, reasons for this whole realignment is some of these West Coast schools, these mid-major schools, they don't even have a chance. You look at UCF and it's like, okay, we can go undefeated. And we've now found out they don't give a shit. We're not going to the, the college football playoff. So what does that mean? Got to go find the biggest, baddest dude on the block, join their conference and try to beat them. I have to imagine that's a huge, huge reason for this, if not the biggest. No, and I, I agree. I agree with that. I mean, college football is going is, is, is running college sports, and that's something that I've had to – Dana and I both have had to realize and had to think about, like, dang, like, okay, it's – we the college football playoff is definitely had a lot of influence in this. I think, in my opinion, as well, Daniel. I think you can agree with that or not. Yeah, I totally agree. I think college football has a lot of major influence in how college athletic works. Um, you know, we show and we saw that in COVID on you know when the team started. Like, look at the Big Ten. You know, they started their football season late, but they pushed everybody back or something like that or some. Somewhere about that where football was able to play, but the spring sports weren't able to – well, the rest of the fall sports weren't going to play until the spring. So it's like it kind of controls things, you know. You know, it kind of controls things, you know, and that's just the way how it is, and you know, right as of right now. A lot of money. No, that's A lot true. of money. A lot of money. And now we got to speak and getting into moving some money, and also we're going to get into some other follow-up questions, and we got to ask and – Thank you again, Jordan, for sticking with us and, jo and joining us on the consultation. We got to get into the money. It's all, if it's the, and there's an old saying that my dad used to sit, tell me: um, if it's not about the money, it's about the money. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, it, it, exactly. It's, it's a it's a it's a cliche saying, but it's true. I like so, it. So, Jordan, uh, NL NIL money. It, we got to talk about NIL. Yeah. What are your first initial thoughts when it came up? <laughs> Uh, so here's my, here's my big thing on NIL. Uh, and I always say this NIL should be a individually powered entity. It shouldn't be powered at all or funded through anything that has to do with donors or universities. As soon as you do that, then you, it becomes, you know, the biggest school with the most money gets the best player. That's kind of always how it's been anyways, but with NIL, it gets even more staggering, right? We're talking about that gap. My thing with NIL, I personally uh, am happy. I think it should have been passed a long time ago, but it should have been solely this. You can use your name, image, and likeness for then you personally to go out, be an entrepreneur, be, you know, an uh, influencer, be whatever you want to be, the key word being you go do it 
And then if you generate X amount of dollars, that money is yours. Just like any law law student who might be on a full scholarship, because that's the argument. Well, you know, prior to this, it was they're, they're on full scholarship. They're getting all this money to go to school. Why do they need anything else? And it's like, no, we don't, we're not asking for handed money. What the college athletes are asking for is allowing us to use the brand that we've worked to build through sweat equity, you know, over years and years and years to then go out and be as creative as we want to be with how we make money on the side. It should be on the side. As soon as you let a donor decide, I'm going to come together with my 10 buddies and pool together $500,000 because I, the donor make, you know, $12 million a year. And this is just, you know, easy to kick in as soon as you have that. And then that fund is evenly dispersed, right? Between a team. Well, then it becomes a competition between which donor pool around the country can generate the most money to give to the kids. One way or another, it is helping, right? It's generating cash for a lot of student athletes who, you know, obviously can't go work a job usually. And some of them who might really need that extra cash, but once again, can't generate it any other ways. My just personal opinion is that it should have nothing to do. And I understand there's nuance to what I'm saying, because how do you determine who's a donor? How is it regulated? This and that. But NIL should simply be, if you as an individual student athlete want to go out on your own, on your own time, and you want to try to be an entrepreneur, a salesman, an influencer, or whatever you want to do, then you're free to do that. I think that's a pretty simple concept. As soon as you bring other groups of people and when the the work the work and payment isn't balanced when that happens then then you're in trouble i think it could get ugly here but you know the ncaa had to open the floodgates uh at some point and they they decided to do it i think there will be more restriction and regulation down the road in terms of how you can generate money through nil but all in all i think it's good for college athletics i do no, and I, I agree with you. I think it should have been happening a long time ago. Like, and then like after, you know, art with my brother and I's experience, we've seen all three. My brother and I have had the fortunate experience compared to most people that we have seen. I've been at a, I've, I've been a division two athlete. I've been a division one manager and I've been a division three athlete. Right. I've seen literally from power five to the lowest level of division three and the mid major or the mid level of division two. I'm like, dang nil it would help out all three of these situations yeah so and that and that goes into like another like i guess quick follow-up question before daniel has his uh and keep it rolling daniel like what's what's the biggest thing now it's one year in with you i've seen you doing ads like as of re- like i saw the degree ad i almost wanted to buy uh some deodorant <laughs> for you i'm like you know what that's my guy i'm like i'm, I'm gonna get on that i might need to get the nutrition stuff man because i'm feeling messed up <laughs> While I'm working now, so I might need to talk to you about that after. after that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For how's sure. that? How's that affect? How How do you think one year in it's changed you? Uh, one year in, how has it changed me? It hasn't changed a ton for me. Here, here's a really good example of nil. Um, destroying on YouTube. He got. Right. He was a. He was a kicker at uh, Central U, UCF, I believe. I believe you or USF, one of the two. I think it was UCF. Central Florida, yes, yeah, Central. Central Florida. Florida. He started a YouTube channel. He monetized it. That's all he was doing. He was working his ass off. People who think being a YouTuber is easy should try to post a video a week for one year and then get back to me on that. 
But anyways, before I digress, uh, destroying does that prior to NIL, they strip his scholarship. He can no longer play football. Just like it's not logical to send UCLA to college park, uh, you know, in the middle of a semester to go play a football game. That's the dumb. That might be even dumber is saying, because you monetize a YouTube channel, playing the sport that you've played your entire life, entertaining people and, you know, having a positive impact, we're going to strip your college eligibility. Like that was when I was like, okay, we're not using logical thinking here in the NCAA office. And I knew, you know, change was coming at some point, but destroying is just a really great example. Um, and, and that's kind of, you know, that's kind of always how I have looked at my brand is like, you know, I'm investing in myself because I would like to stay within the sport, uh, no matter how old I get, whether I can and can't play the sport at the level that I want to play it. Um, and I also overarching want to have a positive impact on people. So that's what I do. I do things that like destroying does. I find other creators who I find, um, interesting. And, uh, to be honest, to answer your question, not a lot has changed. I've been doing YouTube. I've been pushing podcasting for over three years now. And that was before NIL. So nothing's changed other than the fact that I get to click monetization on when I post something. And is it a, like exorbitant amounts of money? No, I think a lot of people have that twisted idea of what NIL is. If you're in the top point zero five percent of college athletes who are guaranteed to be drafted in the top 10 of whatever their sport is, um, then yeah, you're going to get exorbitant amounts of money handed to you essentially. Whether or not you're creative, whether or not you have worked on your brand, whether it doesn't matter because you're that good at your sport. And I think that's deservingly so, right? Um, but, you know, me as, as somebody who's not in that guaranteed lock draft pick is somebody who has to work extremely hard at building a brand. So I've been doing this prior to NIL and will continue to do it after my college career is over um, and probably even at a, at a different gear than I'm doing it now. So not a ton has changed, uh, but it, it's fun because it, it gets a conversation going around what uh, what is and what isn't good for college athletics. Right. Daniel, you want to add to that? Add a quick follow-up? Yeah, I do got a question because we know, Jordan, as, as long as we've known you, you've, you're very smart, you know, very smart on branding and everything since you've been in the spotlight since you've been a kid almost yeah. recently with the Ellen Show. We didn't even get to that, to that point. That's not a that's right. not because you have a whole nother life ahead of you. But with this NLI, you know, I think one of the misconceptions is everyone can get an NLI, right. like an NIL. Sorry, uh, misconception. Yeah. So I know we're going to have a, a few young listeners listening to this. What's your advice for, for the, especially the next group of uh, college athletes coming in, man? Don't worry about the name, image, and likeness. Just work on the craft and – I know you got some profound advice on that. Yeah, so here's here's always been my advice. When NIL broke, I was like, okay, there's going to be two different types of athletes. There's going to be athletes who completely dive in to the social media side of sport because they think there's money there, and there is. And then there's going to be athletes who decide there's a reason that people are listening to me, right? And to be naive to the fact that it's not, anything except for how good you are at a sport right now. That's just, that's not smart. Like Draymond Green, let's say 
you know, if he was an accountant in a, you know, some big firm in Chicago and he, you know, worked the nine to five, sat in a cubicle, nobody knew who he was, his podcast, I would venture to guess, at least right now, given the fact, given the, the lifeline of where it is right now, let's say he's two years in, if he was an accountant, right, he would have to work 10 times harder to get the viewership than he, that he has right now. Okay. So instead of focusing on that early, my point is, is Draymond is extremely good at what he does at the highest level of basketball. He focused on that. And then he allowed what would be essentially like a hobby, right? Cause you got to separate them. What's your profession and your love for me? The answer is basketball. What are your hobbies? Have some hobby, have something you do outside of whatever your passion is, I think that's super healthy and important. So that would be my advice. Keep the main thing the main thing. I always say that. Don't cut time in the gym down. Don't cut time on the field or in the weight room down. Understand that um, Michael Jordan had a great quote about it. Um, And he was like, uh, I can't remember what deal it was. I believe it was a sneaker deal. And he said, you know, somebody asked him why he worked so hard at the point he was at and blah, blah, blah. And he said something along the lines of, and you'll have to fact check me. It was like, if I averaged, you know, two points and one rebound, nobody's going to buy my sneakers anyways. Right. So it doesn't matter what they look like or how cool they are. Uh, You know, the sneaker is just a representation of how good you are at the sport and how much time you put into it. So that's, that's extremely important to understand especially for young up and coming athletes who are going to live in this NIL space. Keep the main thing, the main thing, find a hobby and also work really hard at that. Find something you enjoy and are passionate about, like I would be with podcasting and and YouTubing. So um, you can do them both. It's uh, there's trade-offs, probably not going to have a ton of time to play video games. You're probably not going to, you know, have a ton of time to go party, you know, four, four nights a week. That's probably dumb, even if you're not doing something else as an athlete. So (laughs) you got to make choices. But at the end of the day, if you find something that you're passionate about outside of the sport, that's fine. But make sure the main main thing always stays the main thing. That's my piece of advice. That's a big, that should be tattooed. (laughs) That should be tattooed. That's a lot of tattoos. That should be a shirt. (laughs) Yeah, no. That should be a shirt. That's a big time thing. That's a big time thing. No, and that and that's that's a big thing. That's I've always asked you. I've always wanted to ask you, and always like I'm glad that we're having this conversation that you're passing it on because everyone asks me like, oh, this nil money, like you know, it's I'm like, yeah, it, in some ways it's helpful. I mean, you hear about the great stories that like the BYU, like the BY, one of the BY, all the BYU walk-ons got got enough nil money to pay for their school, pay for the rest of their schooling to where they're on similar scholarship situations. To where like, or some of the baseball players and the non-revenue athletes got enough NIL money to where like, oh, they get a little, they, it, it could offset some cost. So it's interesting to hear your perspective say, you know, just always keep the main thing, the main thing. And moving forward from that, going into NIL, you know, coming from that, you know, going into fifth year, obviously you got some, obviously big NIL deals. Big question coming into, I guess the big question for me is, Obviously, nothing's changed. Nothing's um, progressively changed. Do you think some of Do you think some people are, I guess, more or less more worried? Do you think some of the huge or ridiculous NIL deals are kind of like excessive, excessive? I guess in a way, or they're 
you know, hey, it, it is what it is. You're not worried. I mean, obviously, I know you always keep in your lane, but do you look at some of them like, dang, like, really? Like 500,000? Like, yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't think they're excessive. I think you get, you get, uh, you know, you're paid what you're worth at the end of the day. And if a brand like Coca-Cola looks at, you know, a prospective number one draft pick uh, in the upcoming NFL draft and says, we're going to give him $500,000 to do a commercial with us. Well, for the people who are like, well, that's not fair. I would tell you, you should have worked harder. So you could have been the number one draft pick getting that, you know, that's, that's life. That's even outside of NIL, you look in the, in the, you know, the workforce or, or at a job and you're upset about somebody getting a promotion, barring all the politics that may have gone into it, they must have performed at some level to get that. So I don't think they're excessive by any means. Um, it is pretty wild. I don't think everyone understands the scope of how much money is circulating through advertising and how much companies are willing to pay for eyeballs, right? They're, they're, they're willing to pay excessive um, in a lot of people's minds uh, amounts of money to to lock in a guy for uh, you know six months who's got to post X amount of Instagram and uh, shoot a commercial for them. It's worth it. It's worth it, especially for these super, you know, these mega brands that five hundred thousand five hundred thousand dollars to you and I is a ton to a corporation like them. That's not even a fraction of their marketing budget as is. I think people right. don't don't always understand it, and they're like, ah. You know, destroying's like just a YouTuber. Well, destroying's making seven figures a year doing YouTube, and that's probably triple, double, triple of what he would make even if he was a professional kicker. So there, there's there is a, a monetary value in this for sure. Right. No, and I I, I agree with you. And I guess Dana and I are probably going to ask the same question and. This this final qu- this final question, at least on realignment, and once again, still listening to the Twinsultation Show, and thank you, Jordan, always for coming in. Gotta ask if we're if we're going back in time on some of the hottest college basketball players that had, let's say, your reputation that like if Instagram was an 05, um, that Instagram was an 05 and stuff like that. Who would be? I, I'm just saying this. I'm going with JJ Redick. JJ Redick would have the biggest nil deals known to man <laughs> like if uh, jj jj reddick in my opinion daniel i don't know who you would think and just add your opinion and then i gotta hear jordan's i'm probably gonna go with adam morrison <laughs> i think adam morrison <laughs> probably is gonna have the most it's just the way how he was the phenomenon and then i'll probably go with maybe zion i think you know zion would have had a lot of of that coming in and then maybe even you gotta choose one, Daniel. Seven. Can't be rounding off a list. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Adam Morrison. Adam, Jordan, Adam who Morrison, do you think, man? Adam Morrison's an interesting one. He's got the the crazy hair. He's got the mustache. I could have seen him with a head and shoulders deal for sure. Um, <laughs> trying to think who I think would have made the most money in NIL. Daniel said Zion. I think that's a pretty obvious one if NIL was in effect at that time. But try to move back a little bit earlier. You know what? I think I think Reggie Bush would have Reggie Bush would have been on, you know, national marketing spreads. Uh, it would have been Coke, 
you know, it would have been some huge dealership. Uh, you know, it could have been, it probably would have just been a car manufacturer. It probably would have been Chevy or Dodger, uh, Ford or something like that. I think Reggie Bush probably would have made the most. Uh, you know what? That's actually not a bad, that's not a bad answer. Uh, especially the year that he was having, uh, that was, especially the years he was having, that was definitely, um, then the numbers he was putting up in USC at that point was like the hottest college football team at that point. Every, every Carol Heisman there. winner. Yeah. Every Heisman yeah. winner probably would have made just a stupid amount of money and they, and they will, uh, as the years go on. Right, right, right. No. And that's a big thing. That's a big thing. And knowing that, knowing that now and that info now and stuff like that and knowing, knowing the information now. And like, if NIL was back going back then, like it, it was always a thing. I'm like, yeah, that Reggie Bush is probably a good number one answer. And I got to ask, you know, moving forward this conversation and almost getting close to our time wrapping up, I got to ask some questions, just some quick hit fire questions real quick. Um, either yes or no. It, I got one too. It's, it's it's Dan, Daniel's got a couple. So Daniel go first <laughs> for this consultation. This is, this is something huge. Cause we're Jordan, you know, we're from the DC right. area and you know, the history of our area with basketball. And we've been asking you to do this since you're with, since you're a freshman. I'm going to ask you again, and this is the public. You coming down to the DMV to play in a summer league, man? Coming down to play in Kenner or or in the Gates or Berry Farms for Goodman? You know what? I, you want to come I down? Have checked off, I have checked off Dykeman. I would like to go back to Dykeman and play better. So that's New York, and then I'm kind of over in your neck of the woods. Next year, there's probably a good chance I'll be doing um, a vast number of pro-ams given the fact that I'll be done with college basketball. So the answer, Dan, is maybe. I don't like to overpromise, but maybe. And <laughs> and it's a it's a high probability maybe. Okay, perfect. All right. Hi, hop, just, I, just, I, just so you know, you have a place to stay. You <laughs> so you don't have to play for a hotel. Perfect. 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 Another hot fire question number two, real quick. Got to ask, buy or sell, UNLV wins the Mountain West. Bye. We're the we're we're the most balanced team in the Mountain West. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Daniel, go ahead. Hit fire question number three. All right. Would you get would you spend money at Target or spend money at Walmart? I'm a Target guy. Maybe that's bougie of me, but I'm uh, Olivia's <laughs> turned me into a Target guy. That's true. That's true. Hit fire question number four. Hit fire question number four. TikTok or Instagram? Ooh. Uh, TikTok, Instagram's trying to be TikTok right now, and and the Jenners and Kardashians don't like it, so that'll change here quick. But TikTok for me right now. Perfect, perfect. And Daniel, you got in honor of J Five. That's what he's listed to me, and Daniel's Dan, and I'm always eyes to him. You got question number five, and our last question of the night. All right, In and Out Burger or. Five guys. Five guys, not even close. In and out's the most overrated burger spot in the country, maybe in the world. Wow. Really? Overrated. It's it's great. It's cheap. You're getting what you pay for, though. The burger's solid. It's okay. Uh the fries suck. Um five guys is just like it's not even close when it comes to five guys in and out. Uh five guys in my mind is like a like is an A and in and out is like a D plus C minus. Wow. No, I was not even, 
I was not expecting that. I thought you were going to say in and out I what? thought you'd gone completely West Coast. West Coast people get all torn up about that, but it must just be a cult thing because I'm not buying it. I'm a Culver's guy uh, if I got to pick my right, favorite. Right, yeah. That's what I was going to say, Culver's. yeah, I was expecting to go neither. <laughs> yep, yep. I'm a Culver's guy if I had to choose, but Five Guys is uh, – is is superior in in comparison to in and out for sure yeah no and mm. that's and that's uh that's definitely uh that's definitely a true thing i love five guys five guys is a dmv staple uh it's from northern virginia so i'm always going to be a little biased you know but her good things about culver's and i've had in and out before i like in and out but I mean, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need something. I need a little more something with substance. I, 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 I see that and sense that from you. I hear but you. appreciate you answering those hot fire questions. And actually, Jordan, appreciate you for sitting with us this long, talking and catching up, and just talking about how your life has gone through. But there is actually one last question I do have to ask. It's not even a hit fire question, and it's more of like last final thoughts if you had anything that you could tell anybody any of our listeners our small listening base compared to yours um what's the best advice you could give oh this changes week to week uh I, I find myself thinking a lot especially uh during car rides i try to um not try just naturally go into thought about different things and as i kind of go through what will be my fifth and final year of college basketball and, you know, a long career in basketball before that and a long career, hopefully after this. Um, my biggest piece of advice is that it's saying I tweeted it yesterday. Nobody's ever achieved their dreams or got to their goals by pulling punches or playing it safe. You, I mean, you have to be aggressive. Uh, you have to be willing to put yourself kind of into the fire. And those uh, those moments of doubt and anxious and anxiety that you feel when you go into competition is good. You want to try to seek those out as much as possible because that uncomfortable state is where growth happens. So don't pull punches, go attack things, move fast and break shit. I think that's a Mark Zuckerberg quote right there. Um, but yeah, just go out and do stuff. Don't sit on your ass and scroll through TikTok for your entire life and then look back and be like, oh, what happened? Go out and fail and don't be afraid of it. True thing. All right. Can I get a follow back then on TikTok and Instagram after all these oh, years? Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Hold on. Because the, the man. Okay. All right. Here we go. Because remember. We needed I, that. We needed that. That advice. I need, We haven't. We haven't had a follow back in a little bit. We haven't had a follow back. But I never wanted to ask because I always say people ask like Jordan doesn't follow you back. I'm like. No, I have his cell. I have his number. Meet him. Text. It's yeah, okay. Yeah, but that's, that's, for the for the joking part, I like to get back on the grams socials. I'm like, I'm like, nah. We've been texting too long not to even do this. There we go. <laughs> so we have to ask that. There we go. Bang. Easy money. Got you, fellas. I appreciate you. There we go. On. There we go. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Appreciate it. Thank you again, Jordan McKay, for sending us with an in-depth consultation. Was that painful at all for you? <laughs> no, no, that was great. I had a lot of fun, fellas. <laughs>